Hello and welcome to another edition of Childhood Remastered. This is the podcast where we look back at the cartoons and movies and TV shows of our youth to see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. I am Sean. And I'm Chris. And today we are going to be looking at a show that, you know, I remember, but not a whole lot. I feel like as I watch it, there's a lot of things that that were jogged back that yeah. I remember that I didn't remember that I remembered. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. And that is Bobby's World. talk about what do you remember what uh, do you remember about bobby's world all i really remember is that it was a show about a kid who had a like a super active imagination almost kind of like uh, muppet babies where most of the show centered around what they were imagining was happening like in muppet babies it was much that was much more the plot point of it they had adventures in their imagination the, uh, uh, when it came to Bobby's World, I I couldn't remember if that was the case or not. I mean, this was a show. Do you remember liking it? Honestly, this was a show that I didn't watch all that much. It was one where if it was on, I might watch it, but I wouldn't go out of my way to be like, "Oh, Bobby's World is on. I'm gonna plop down in front of the TV and turn it on." It was it was like background noise TV almost. It it wasn't oh. it wasn't uh, so at the time I was ten or eleven when this show came out. And it was nineteen ninety. Oh, was it ninety? Nineteen ninety. Oh, I thought it was ninety three. So, I mean, I guess I would have been the right age for it, but I just was not interested. It was, I was much more at that time into more action oriented cartoons like Thundercats and and uh, and Transformers. And I know those shows had been off the air for a little bit, but, but I was they watching, were syndication. Yeah, so. I was watching the syndicated reruns of that stuff, and I was much more into those GI Joe. GI Joe. I was much more into those type of cartoons than something like Bobby's World, which was. Almost like a a really watered down sitcom, almost. Yeah, I guess. Like my memory is is actually sort of similar. Like, I I remember that it existed. Mm-hmm. I, I'm cognizant that it was around, and 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 I had younger siblings who watched it. Uh-huh. I, have, I have a brother who's two years younger than me, and a sister who's almost six years younger than me. And so in 1990, she was very very little. And my brother was, you know, what about four or so? Yeah. And 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 so from around that age, I think it's it was more geared towards in, in the three to six age range. And I think once you start getting a little older than that, it was maybe not for you. But I remember watching it. I remember some of the songs. Mm-hmm. Specifically, remember some of the songs, but with no context yeah. or phrases or quotes with no context. I honestly. I did not remember what Bobby's World was about. I just knew it was about like a kid and he had an Uncle Ted that was his buddy and he had this stuffed spider named Wembley and a dog named Roger. I remember that and the mom being like from Wisconsin or something. Yeah. But I I forgot that there was live action segments at the beginning and the end with Howie Mandel. I forgot that that voice that that is Bobby's is based off of a thing from Howie Mandel because I... After reading that and hearing about it, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I remember now. And there's just... The whole Muppet Babies uh, allegory, it, it is, but but I I don't remember any of that. 
I, I don't, I feel, I I don't like, even remember if it was good or not. Yeah, I feel like that's sort of the case for the entire show is it's something that you're like, oh yeah, that was on, but I don't remember anything about it. It's not a memorable show. It's not something that people, I mean, it was on for a long time, but it's not something I feel like people were like, this is my show. This is my, it's like background noise. I feel like for, for kids. You know what it actually reminds me of? Well, what it reminded me of for me was, because we were actually just talking about this before we started recording, is there are different versions of, there are different animated series based off of Sonic the Hedgehog. Mm -hmm. And so there's Sonic's at AM, which is the good one. And then there's Sonic the Hedgehog, the one with the chili dogs with the awful animation. And that one feels, at least, because I haven't watched it since it was on. But that one feels sort of in my memory what Bobby's World felt like in that it was something that somebody else put on for me. Mm -hmm. And then it sat on in the background while I did something else. I colored, I read, I played with Legos. And it was a cartoon that was on in the background. And I don't honestly remember much of anything. Or it was something that I watched because I was waiting for something else to come on afterwards. Well, you know, this, this, let me get into this because it sort of plays into another point that I wanted to make. So Bobby's World in and of itself, the show, it was an animated television show that uh, was about the daily life of Bobby Generic. And Which his, is oh, funny because yeah. it's spelled generic. Yeah, and that's a running joke. His name is Bobby Generic. It's the Generic family. And everybody, whenever they see the name for the first time in the show, they say generic. And then they, everyone always corrects them and says it's generic, not generic. It's generic. Yeah, it's a punch, it was set up to be a punchline all the way through. Yeah. And uh, the show's about his overactive imagination, how he sees the world. So I thought it was, I thought it's, it's very apt that, that Bobby's name is essentially generic and the whole family's name is generic because when I think about this show and just like uh, shows you like the, the Sonic show too, the, the bad one, shows like that remind me almost of Looney Tunes where you can remember characters from Looney Tunes and you maybe even remember situations, but in terms of plot and what was going on, you don't always remember what the actual story of like a Looney Tunes cartoon is. You might remember really yeah. memorable ones, but in general, that show was something that was more of an experience than something you went to to like to like watch you know a story. There that were some reminds big me ones. very much about uh, what you and I were talking about in the car earlier, where we were discussing one uh, sitcoms and the idea of how they've changed and gone from uh, sort of one-off episodes. Yeah. Episodic epi things. Episodic you can uh, jump, shows. Yeah. You can jump in, in the middle to now you have large story arcs. Yeah. And, and so you might remember the overall story arc and you remember bits and pieces versus in, in an episodic format, you you might remember this bit or this joke, but the overall, like what's going on is sort of uh, is sort of fuzzy. Yeah. Like you remember bits from Seinfeld, but I don't remember like the entire, I, I mean, like I remember the, the Kenny Rogers chicken, uh, episode, but and I don't soup remember Nazi episode or the soup Nazi episode or whatever. And you, you remember bits, bits out of the episode. Like I remember, uh, Kramer not getting to sleep because of the sign in the window, but, and him basing himself with butter and slowly smelling like a, like a chicken. Yeah. And I remember those things, but I don't remember the overall story arc in the background with Jerry. That was like the one thing I remember. I remember George Costanza getting depressed and eating a block of cheese on the couch because his wife died. But I don't remember the rest of the story from that episode. Yeah, and that's that 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 plays, reminds me a lot of this actually. Yeah, I'm glad that, you brought that up. Yeah, that plays into like this show is that overall story arcs are forgettable 
in terms of the episodes, but you remember bits and pieces of it because that was funny or that was memorable or whatever. But as a, as a show overall, it's a, it's a highly forgettable show, at least to me. And I feel like to most people, it was, probably. It, now that, I mean, especially now that we watched it and we're talking about it, absolutely was for me. Yeah. So now you, you said it, it started in 19, well, I said it started in 1990, it ran to 98 on yeah. Fox kids and, 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 it it was only eighty one episodes, but spread over eight seasons, which so it's like is ten episodes a season on average. Which is probably why it, I think it felt like because when I when I think back about this show, this goes back to like what I remember. I felt like a lot of episodes were just like the same thing over and over again. And now that I know that, it's because they were. Yeah. They just showed a couple episodes and then they just replayed the crap out of them. My question is, is how much of it did they film all at once and then just slowly release versus record and release as they went? Yeah, I Because don't know. eight years seems like a long time to be doing an animated show with only 81 episodes. Most animated shows, even really good ones, don't get eight years. They don't get eight se- Like, they, they might get eight seasons, but those seasons... Or they might get... They might... Like, DuckTales got only four seasons, but the first season is like 65 episodes. Yeah. You know? Uh, I mean, it, you get you get a big front load of episodes, and then you might get oh, here's twelve, here's twenty, here's four or seven, and then we're done. Yeah. You know, it's it's a weird situation. But the the show was originally known as the World According to Bobby, which was a parody of the World According to Garp. And uh, do do you know anything about that at all? So so because as I was building the notes, I was like, I, I had no idea what that was. And the World According to to Garp is a John Irving novel that uh, is. It's about a man born out of wedlock to a uh, feminist leader who grows up to be a writer. I don't know who, when they initially named this, who their audience was, because that's not a book a kid would have read uh, would have read in 1990. This is public. That book was published in 78. I don't know who would have known anything about that. It was also a a movie starring Robin Williams in 82. Well, you that. That, but like I don't understand how would you well there's there's a lot of stuff in this and we can talk about this now I guess that there's there's a this show ostensibly would be directed at your probably like three to seven year olds that's what I'm guessing the With age the vast range... majority of those kinds of things like the original title being an homage to a a comedy drama drama book from 78 in a movie redone in 82. But They're not going to know any of that. But that's the thing is that a lot of episode titles, a lot of episode titles, and, in, and in, in the same vein, a lot of things that happen, like little throwaway gags and stuff that happen within the episode, are stuff that no kid is ever going to understand. We watched an episode where it was an episode where they're going to the pool the, the the community pool and they pass by a house and like oh who lives there oh boo bradley lives there like boo radley and, from the, and, and, and then, then they actually make a kill a mockingbird yeah joke. he's like oh someone someone told me that he got in trouble for killing a mockingbird and like what seven-year-old what what seven-year-old is gonna have read to kill a mockingbird and know what that reference is none and they do that they do that consistently in the first episode the bonus episode that we said it was episode one. The 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 one. Yeah. So Ruth. I mean, uh, the episodes that we picked today were the top four episodes via IMDb, and then the quote bonus episode I put in is is the fifth highest rated episode. And I put that in there because it's the first episode, and and I just kind of like always starting with the first episode. I yeah. just like to know what the first episode. Yeah, because what we, the pilots like. We didn't know? have any recollection of any episodes, so we didn't have any episodes that we wanted to watch. But in that first episode, in the visit to Aunt Ruth's. There's a Die Hard reference. 
There's like, the, from the movie Die Hard. He's dressed up like John McClane with with bandages on his feet, and he's wearing a white and he goes through the window and yeah, the whole thing. Like, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is it's cool it and is it's well cool. done as an adult. But as a little kid, I didn't understand any of that, and I don't think any little kid was supposed to. Let's let's talk more about the show, then we can get more into this. So the episodes usually consisted of these sort of. Um, live action slash animated sequences that I that I mentioned I don't remember at all mm-hmm. and they usually had a live action Howie Mandel sort of describing something about the story and then relating it back to his childhood or to Bobby or something and and sometimes during these segments the character Bobby would be in it and talk to Howie Mandel other times there'd be a live action kid who would appear and talk with Howie Mandel and something you you mentioned and that I, I didn't notice was was that in the earlier episodes, Howie Mandel is referred to as dad because he's the voice of both daddy and Bobby. And he's referred to as dad by Bobby in the early the earlier seasons. Yeah. And then later on, he refers to him as Howie as if he recognizes that he's non of his universe. Yeah. And Howie in the in those live action segments, Howie a lot in a lot of them will say like, OK, I got to go turn into a cartoon now. In the, I think it's in the first episode when he, when Bobby's saying like, when he's calling him dad or whatever, then Howie's like, hold on, I'm going to turn into a cartoon. And he does this thing where he scrunches his face and he's like, and then he poofs and he turns into a cartoon. Yeah, I was actually expecting him to drop a deuce, but, (laughs) but (laughs) I mean, it sort of looked like it, but yeah, these segments serve as like bookends to the episode where Howie, why are you doing a Valsalva maneuver? What do you? So, like, it starts off by he describes what the episode is going to be about, essentially, well, at least what the main theme is. And then at the end, he comes in and he's like, well, what would you learn from this episode, Bobby? Because usually there's some kind of lesson involved. I'd say that it's vaguely a lesson, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. So, so that's a good segue into who the fuck is Howie Mandel? Well, <laughs> Howie Mandel is Canadian, so strike one. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we yeah. have a bunch of listeners in Canada. Please don't send us hate mail. I love, uh, I love Canadian comedians anyway. John Candy was a great comedian. Oh, yeah. No, there's pl- there's tons of talented people that we get out of canada michael j fox uh, is a great example uh joe rogan i believe is canadian uh yeah there's a bunch of canadians uh but howie mandel is a canadian comedian and he's most famous as at the moment as one of the judges on america's got talent and a few years ago, he was uh, the host of that show, Deal or No Deal. By the way, did you ever notice how he shook people's hands? Because yeah, a actually, I was I was going to talk about that. <laughs> so, so Howie Mandel is a super germaphobe, and he does not shake hands. He fist bumps, which okay, fine, I get. He either uh, fist bumps or he puts his fist out, and they shake his fist. Yeah. <laughs> well, like they'll go out to shake his hand, and he'll just stick his fist out and stick it into the hand. <laughs> Some people, yeah, they'll shake his. Well, hand. my favorite is sometimes people will like uh, on that show Deal or No Deal. Uh-huh. People would win money, and they'd run up and give him a hug, and he just looked like we're the guards. He yeah. always looked like pissed off. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! But I think it's kind Get of odd fabrice. because watching these older episodes, he has this like super curly uh, fro- mullet sort of fro with it's a, a mullet. mullet. It's a mullet. It's a mullet fro. Yeah, and and. And it looks like it's growing bugs in it or something. It looks very unhygienic. And I thought it's weird that he went from that to what he looks like now where he's just bicked everything. Yeah. I thought, well, I guess it's easier to keep clean. But, you know, before that, what made Howie Mandel famous is that he he was a stand-up comedian. And he would do this character that was essentially Bobby's voice. He would do yeah. this like sort of child character. And you said you watched some, some skits of it where, where people just 
like rolling, laughing on the floor, and yeah. I don't understand that at all because it is not funny. To so me. that was, I the, mean, to each their own, I guess. But I, I, I didn't, I don't find his old stuff that funny. I feel like his Bobby, the Bobby voice was always the closer. So when you're when you're a stand up, you save your best material for the last, I guess. But, it's always and it's usually like an inside joke. It's something that people like. You know who I think about is Pablo Francisco, and he does the the movie voice thing. Yeah. It's something he always saves, and then like the crowd does, does this uproarious yeah, thing. So they're already they're are they've already been primed because they've been laughing throughout the rest of his set, and then he ends with it. So even just the little like I was watching one where he wasn't even saying funny things. He was just like, "Oh, I'm Pablo," and then everyone's like. <laughs> and then I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's it's super weird. And and the thing is, is he is a funny guy because I've seen him like in interviews because he's very smart, like on his feet. And so I've seen him in interviews before where they'll ask him something. He'll have like a quick quip or mm-hmm. something. I'm like, this guy knows what's up. And so I, you can tell he's he's probably a funny guy just sort of naturally. Yeah, he has but, a sort of that, spastic humor. Yeah, which I kind of like because I'm a spastic guy. But yeah. but he 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 kind of rose to fame, if you will, for the TV show Saint Elsewhere uh, that he had like a prominent character on. He is the voice of Gizmo from Gremlins One and Gremlins Two, and he's done a bunch of uh, voice acting work. He was Animal and Skeeter on Muppet Babies, and. Uh, he had a show that I forgot about till I was doing these notes, and then I remembered how terrible it was. He did have his own show called the Howie Mandel Show that was like a talk show. Yeah, like every, everybody show. had a talk show in the 90s. Oh, like the Magic Hour, Magic Johnson? Yeah. With uh, Sheila E.? Yeah. Oh my god, that was awful. Yeah. Man, we should watch that review because it is <laughs> not good. No, so The show was developed by Jim Stahl and Jim Fisher, and it was produced by Film Roman uh, that was founded in 84. Um, they were known for doing... Uh, Bunch of seasons of The Simpsons, King of the Hill, Family Guy, and Garfield and Friends. They did every season of The Simpsons except for the first like three or four seasons. Yeah. They also produced Mighty Max, The Mask, animated series, and the Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm, and a bunch of others. And I, I think it's interesting that they produced Family Guy because I liken this show and I can talk about it later. Yeah, we were discussing yeah. this. Well, no, because I mentioned it. You yeah. said... So it's just basically a show about nothing. I was like, so it's twenty. It's a fi- yeah. It's five minutes of story that's mixed with mixed with fifteen minutes of nothing. Flashbacks or imagination. And 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 I think what you're I think your text actually. Yeah, I text that, and then I think you text back like, so like Family Guy. I said yes, exactly like Family Guy. It was also produced by Levy Productions, 20th Century Fox Television, which we talked about before. And it originally aired on Fox Kids and CITV, which I think is the Canadian equivalent. Yeah, I remember Fo- I remember being on Fox Kids. Uh, it was produced by Mitch Schauer. Uh, he was he did the the designs for Bobby's character and and a bunch of main characters. Yeah, uh, and the, the character was designed based on Shower's son. Yeah, at the time, and I have real problems with with the design of Bobby's character because for the most part, the rest of the family is designed normally. I mean, as normal as cartoon characters are. There, I mean, they're cartoon humans, so. So they're they're all, gonna be wonky, but yeah. So they're all design, designed fairly normally, uh, based on based on certain people in his life. But Bobby's character has a gigantic head and gigantic feet. Yeah, it is a little weird, and it, it's just it's like exaggerated for no other reason than than he's the main character and he has to look a little different, I guess. Yeah. Well, see, I think what's weird is all the humans in this show are all sort of animated similarly, mm-hmm. except for Bobby, who looks so weird because. 
Hey Arnold has the, their main character look actually a lot like Bobby. Yeah. With this giant football head. But then all the characters are all sort of animated weird. They have weird shaped bodies and weird shaped heads. And it sort of actually is is the charm of Hey Arnold. But yeah. it, this doesn't have that. You, now, if you're going to do it for one, do it for all of them. Yeah, Don't, just make, make them all weird. That's fine. Just just make them all weird instead all normal and one weird. Because then he just looks like some weird uh, mutant foot face. Yeah. Oh, maybe Martha was going and uh, hitting the bottle a little bit when she was pregnant with them. Well, with with that there body. I'm sure she was. So Mitch Schauer actually also is best known as the creator of the Angry Beavers, which I can't wait for us to cover. Yeah, I watched an episode show. of that uh, I, maybe a couple of weeks ago. And, and man, it was really good. And before that, in 95, he won an Emmy as the producer of Freakazoid. And before that, he was the producer of 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. But well, we all have to start somewhere. We all have to start somewhere. And speaking of, I think, where he started... He was a storyboard director for 61 episodes of the My Little Pony original series, including the End of Flutter Valley story arc that we started and never finished, and we don't ever want to finish. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and and it was also produced by Gary Conrad, who directed the Fairly Odd Parents and Dora the Explorer. But so this show, this show's got some some good direct or some good directors and producers behind it, right? So Phil Roman, who founded the production company that we just men- mentioned, Film Roman. Uh, Phil Roman is is this guy. He he's actually done a ton of stuff, and he was the lead animator for the classic 1966 How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and he. Uh, he's worked on King of the Hill and Simpsons and a bunch of other stuff. The other executive producers are Howie Mandel, who we just talked about, and Lee Mendelson, who is a TV producer best known as the executive producer of the Peanuts Gang. All, in fact, all of their animated specials and uh, some other stuff too. So the, the theme music was you didn't know about, and, yeah, and you read not, this and, and you asked like, me, "He's like, what? this can't be real." So the is. theme music was uh, done by John Tesh. John Tesh, the famous uh, sort of. Composer, yeah, composer slash and pianist, TV radio host. See, slash, I didn't even know slash he, gigantic man. I was not that familiar with him in music. I I just knew him as the co-host of Entertainment Tonight, which he's no longer. But no, I, yeah. I remember him as that, and I think he had some. Uh, this is why he got fired for Entertainment Tonight. Didn't he get into some issue for? Some like weird, creepy voicemails with an intern. I think I, I back in the nineties. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember. But he's mostly known for like new wave music and and a bunch of like worship music. I guess. Yeah, he's he's big into uh, he's he's big time Christian, I guess, and he's big into worship music. He's done a bunch of concerts and, and yeah. whatnot. You can you can check him out on the, the other composers for this are Mark Koval, who did later seasons and. Robbie Merkin was the musical director. Uh, let's jump into the cast because yeah. I kind of have a lot to say about the show. So the yeah, first so- is Bobby whose name is Robert Edelweiss Generic. And is it, did you ever hear, because I, I didn't watch any episodes where they said his middle name. Is it Edelweiss or is it like Adelvice? I think it's Edelweiss. It's A-D-E-L-V-I-C-E. Yeah, I think it's Edelweiss because yeah. they're all, she, the mom at least, I think is. They're all it, like Scandinavian or something. Well, no, so. so Blonde I hair, mean, blue eyes. If you think about it, Howie Mandel's from Canada and like I think the Toronto area or something. And then. And then in the show, the mom definitely has this like Minnesota, this Minnesota, Wisconsin accent. So I was thinking, okay, German Lutheran uh, sort of heritage. Mm -hmm. So Edelweiss seems like something that would make sense. It's just like what I was thinking about. So the kid is is Bobby. And then the dad's name is Howard. Both are voiced by Howie Mandel. The next character is the mom we were talking about. And (laughs) she, uh, I think, is one of the more interesting ones. It says that she has a Scandinavian accent. But that's that sort of Minnesotan Great Lakes yeah. 
Oh, oh, dang, ding dong there, Bobby. For Corrin's sake, for crying in the mud, gee golly gosh darn, don't yeah. you know? Oh, gee darn it. She's voiced by Gail Mathias, who is, uh, she was on SNL actually during that one season with Charles Rocket, the, I guess the SNL Dark Times. The, the lost season. Yeah, uh, lost for a good reason. Except I will say, if you ever find the old skits of Eddie Murphy or Joe Piscopo from that era, they are they're hilarious. Oh, yeah, no. They're hilarious. So she's done voice work for like Tiny Toon Adventures and Ren and Stimpy and The Tick and a bunch of other stuff. I and have to say she's uh, she's easily the funniest character in the show. I, yeah, probably. Her and Ted. Her like her lines in the show uh, to me were, were, were funnier than anything else in the I show. I think because she's sort of the straight man. Yeah. She does a lot of whenever there's crazy stuff going on, she's like, oh, yeah, oh, that makes sense. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's something like super nuts. Yeah. Like, like in the, in the episode when they're going to, uh, in the episode when they're going to Aunt Ruth, she's like, oh, I don't mean to nag there, but don't you think that was our stop over there? Oh, no, you're the man. You know where you're going. Like, like she's just like ripping on him. And she's and then, like, oh, yeah, I'm sure this is just a, just a detour. <laughs> no, and then when, then when the, the kids are fighting in the back and, and uh, Howard has like a like a spastic like freak out moment. Like, I'll pull this car over and I'll I'll kick you out of the car. And she turns to him and says, "Oh, now don't make threats. You're not ready to you're not ready to follow through on." And, and he's like, "I'll do it this time." She calls Howard. You always say that, but you never do. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just like she's sitting there with her feet up on the dash, just looking at the map, just going like, "Oh boy." You know, as a kid, I remember th- <laughs> uh, sort of liking the mom, but not remembering why. And as an adult, I know exactly why. Yeah, she's 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 fierce as fuck. Yeah, man. she's super sarcastic, and she's just like, "Okay, whatever." Now their oldest daughter <laughs> is 15 years old, and that's kind of a discussion we can get to in a few minutes, uh, yeah. because we have some like questions about the aging of, of kids and the parents. <laughs> yeah. So the, the oldest daughter's name is Kelly. She's just sort of, it says tom, tomboyish, but I think they just say tomboyish because she has a, a short haircut. And she doesn't wear dresses. She wears like shorts with tights. But if you think about it, this was in the early 90s. And that was sort of that, that high-waisted uh, sort of spandex. Yeah pants with the with the with the stirrup heels like that was like yeah. that was in so it makes sense and she she's voiced by a woman named Charity James and is based on another character that Gail Mathias did on SNL called Vicky the Valley Girl. Yeah, she So she that uses, is that skit from the early 80s that that Gail used to do and she just sort of copied it, which brings us into sort of a further conversation that we were having in the car today. Yeah, she she's a she's very much a valley girl and she's she's like, "Oh, Bobby, it's so gross. You're going to embarrass me." And the the whole valley girl thing i think you had brought up you're you're wondering like why was the valley girl thing still in use and it, it was 1990 when the show started and then i think for continuity it just continued through but uh, yeah the valley girl movie where that sort of accent came from came out in 1983 right which is why the 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 reference to it back in the early 80s on snl was so smart and fresh because yeah. nobody was really aware of it on a more national scale it's really only something that people on the west coast especially just southern california were aware of but outside of the rest of the, the united states people were just sort of oblivious to it until probably after that snl skid and and it sort of permeated into the rest of pop culture. Yeah. But but I think showing it as this girl who, I mean, 
I don't know exactly where the show is supposed to take place, but I mean, I think you and I have an idea. It's supposed to be Southern California. Yeah. And I wondered why would they give her this Valley Girl accent unless it was to try and make a more broader appeal to kids at the time. And that goes to my theory that I mentioned in earlier episodes of things happening on the coast. It doesn't really happen this anymore, but used to. Things would happen on the coast fashion and trend wise and then sort of trickle into middle america many almost a decade later now because the internet things happen sort of almost simultaneously yeah, it's, it's real it might time. be two or three years behind where they're still doing some you know they're still doing the faux hawk in ohio or something but but oh wait the faux hawk's out <laughs> damn it it's 2017 sean yeah i know right what am so, i supposed to do with my hair now shave it yeah, no, so uh, Kelly is a Kelly is very much. I, I feel like they gave her the Valley Girl accent because she's your typical like oldest sister type thing. Like, like ew, leave me alone. My she has two younger brothers, and she's like, ugh, I'm just concerned with boys and fashion, and just leave me alone. Ugh, that type of thing. Yeah, and then the middle one is Bobby's ten year old brother, so it's a five year gap here. Yeah, who is something of a bully. But with this rat tail hairdo. I don't think it's a bully, though. Yeah, I, see, this is why I don't weird. like these descriptions via the interwebs. Yeah. Bobby's, wrong, Bobby's brother, Derek, he, he goes back and forth. It, it's one of those things where he, he's verbally mean to Bobby, but you can tell that he cares about him. He's not a bully so much. Just like He brings him along with stuff. They team up in certain episodes. In one episode, he saves him from drowning. And he's more just yeah. like, oh, go get away from me. Like, he cares, but it's, he doesn't want It's wanna... like he's the older brother, and he's irritated by the younger sibling. But he still loves him and, like, cares about him. Yeah, and it, it's more like he's trying to look cool in front of people. Because that's what that's what. Both well, you Derek... and I are both essentially that. Because we, you and I are both the older siblings in yeah. our, you know, respective but, families. But that's, so. like, that's like both of them. Both Kelly and Derek do the same thing. They, they want to be look cool to their friends. Friends. They like their, they love their younger sibling, and but they want to look cool and and caring for him, like like visually caring, like having yeah. someone see that they're like fussing over him is not cool. So they're just like, oh, get away from me, yeah, stop it. No, like, that's definitely yeah. I mean, I I, I definitely saw that. Yeah. Like he, Derek, the brother will sometimes insult Bobby and call him dork or something. One of the things that I think he calls him in. The campout episode with Ted is he calls him Wiener Breath, which actually I thought was funny. Uh, yeah, no, it's it went, no, that was the babysitting episode where they they uh, <laughs> was it the babysitting episode? Yeah, it was the yeah, babysitting okay. episode where they get into the pillow fight and then Roger chomps on the pillow and po- and pops it and then they get sent to uh, and Derek, Derek calls him Wiener Breath yeah. and then Bobby copies it and yeah. calls the dog Wiener Breath. Yeah, no, but I think he doesn't understand the context, yeah, which is why it was so funny. <laughs> he says. Because Derek is pissed off because Bobby and Derek got sent to Derek's room by the babysitter. Yeah. And then Derek's like, I don't even know why I'm in here. It's not my fault. It's your fault. Get in here, wiener breath. And he's like, what'd I do? And he, Bobby like walks in from the bathroom. He's like, what did I do? He's like, you got us in trouble by doing the pillow fight. And he's like, it wasn't me. Roger was the one that popped it. Get in here, wiener breath. So exactly, <laughs> which Ro- I, I Roger loved. comes in and he's like, <laughs> but I love that sequence more so because of the usage of wiener breath. In that the brother, the ten-year-old, probably Who's, has a vague idea what that means. Who's sucking on dicks in this in this world? <laughs> I don't know. Who, who's at, at age five, right? Yeah. But, but what I thought was funny is. So the ten-year-old brother Derek probably has some sort of context. I mean, probably as a ten-year-old, like what? What's a ten-year-old? That's fourth grade. Yeah, I mean, you know as the a, dirty jokes. And no, stuff. as a fourth grader, I'm pretty sure I, I, I'm pretty sure I slung around some like dickheads or 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 butt brain or 
maybe some wiener swears. Breath. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah, some like crap that you make up when you're ten years old. Wiener breath is maybe he just didn't like hot dogs. No, no. I mean, I think he knew what he was saying, but yeah. Bobby didn't, and then he used it. That's why I thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah he aped his older brother because he doesn't get the joke at all. No. So Derek is voiced by two people. The first is a guy named Kevin Smets, who is Ten Pin from Newsies. And was Johnny Quest for the TV movie Johnny Quest vs. Siren Sex and a few other things. The next person who, we don't get to hear this person do the voice of Derek, but I kind of want to go back and listen for it just for that reason. And it's it's actually Pamela Siegel, who is the voice of Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. That's my purse! I don't know you! She is also known for Spinelli from the 90s show Recess. And she co-created the TV show Better Things with Louis C.K., and she is also one of the fairies in Ferngully and the big guy in Rusty uh, she was Robot. Rusty. Yeah, she's yeah. Rusty. And Milo from the Oblong. She's yeah. actually had a, a pretty all the, extensive yeah. career. All the voices are pretty similar in all of those. She, she, uh, if that, it's if kind that's of the not, same character. Yeah, if that's not her regular speaking voice, it's basically her only other voice. Yeah, probably. So and then, then, have, then there's have, twins that we don't get to meet. Yeah, and then there's Aunt Ruth who's in one of the episodes who's voiced by Eddie McClurg. And she was a member of the Groundlings, and she was in Carrie and Ferris Bueller, and playing trains and automobiles. And she's done, she's done a bunch of uh, animated uh, voiceover work, like Zootopia and Bugs Life and Frozen. And she was also on Life with Louie. I have to say that the episode that she was in, which was the first episode, the visit to Aunt Ruth's, that episode, and I texted you while I was watching it. I said. Jesus, this like I was thinking while I was watching it, this show could not get made today, at least this episode. They had a super racist Godzilla type clip because Bobby basically the entire show is someone will say something and then Bobby will hear it and not know what they're talking about and then he'll imagine what they're saying. Yeah. So, or he'll be thinking about something and he'll just create this imaginary. And sort of forget what's going on because yeah. he's in his own head. It actually reminds me a lot of Doug. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So he's either, he's either reacting. Or rather, Doug reminds me of Bobby's World because Bobby's World came out first. Yeah, it did actually. So either, so either Bobby is reacting to something he hears that he doesn't understand and he's trying to use his five year old brain to like piece it together based on what they said. Like in one episode, He's told to make new friends, and he imagines himself like making a robot. Yeah, yeah, I saw based that. on all of his friends. It's got like uh, his the girl next door's body, Uncle Ted's head, and then his dog's tail, so that he knows when he's happy or something. Yeah. So you, oh, and then the the arms. I think like the noodly arms of his pets. No, uh, like was, stuffed spider. No, it was it was the arms of his dad, so that he could reach up and grab. Oh, the cookie that's what jar it was. So we had these like long. Yeah, it was yeah. very. It's actually creepy looking. So in so in this first episode, he doesn't want to go see Aunt Ruth because Aunt Ruth pinches his cheeks and he doesn't want to. He doesn't oh, is that want, when he imagines the the he the imagines guy. Godzilla? Yeah, and it's it's his Aunt Ruth as Godzilla trampling through the town. But then you've got all these like Japanese people running around saying, "Run! It's Godzilla! It's Godzilla!" Whatever they're saying, it's Aunt Ruth! It's Aunt Ruth! And it's like super just you know, it's super just. Buck teeth, World War II propaganda type voices. Yeah, I was gonna actually say that that some of that was. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's 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 pretty racist. Um, 
And and there's this one actually there's this one line around that with the with the fake accents. She pinched my cheese. She told me how cute I was. She not recall. It was horrible, horrible, horrible. And the accent is awful. It yeah. is so bad. And and like then it just goes like back. And all of those voices, by the way, are Howie Mandel. You can tell it's Howie's voice doing yeah. all those like sort of like inappropriate voices or He's whatever. Like, Don't worry, I'll bite the bullet on this one. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, the, nobody nobody's gonna care. It's kids television. Yeah. The next character is Uncle Ted. Now let's talk about Bobby's developmentally disabled Uncle Ted. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> Holy God. Uh, he's he's like a 12-year-old boy. No, in... he's like a 5-year-old. Uh, no, I'd say he's 12 because, I, I feel because like he's... he's sexually active. Oh, yeah, I guess he is. He wants to have sex with a swim coach, remember? The, another super racist Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, we'll get, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> but, but, okay. He, so I would argue 12 because... Yeah, uh, he, he at least has hit puberty. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like if an emotional, if somebody with the emotional clarity of a five-year-old mixed with the hormones of like an adult man were were put into the body of a man in his late forties with a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. So Bob, and a large beer belly. So Uncle Ted is essentially Bobby's best friend, I guess, and he is uh, Martha, his mom's brother. It's his maternal uncle. And and Ruth and Ruth. So uh, Martha, Ruth, and Ted are all siblings. And Ted comes over. It almost feels like he lives there in later episodes. He lives with them. I think he... I See, and that's the, the one of the things I wanted to mention. Because Ted is like always there with no explanation as to why. I think Ted is Martha's deadbeat brother who can't get a job, uh, who lives in like the spare bedroom... And it started off as like, quote, only to get up off my feet, man. And then he never left. And but then, now, but then Martha started getting used to the SSI checks that he was get that she was getting for taking care of her developmentally disabled brother. <laughs> so it just became a thing. Like, well, you know, you can watch him. Just, just don't freaking. See, I imagine that she just wasn't. Don't, get, just don't Lenny him. See, in my mind, she wasn't. They weren't don't, getting those SSI checks. And, and and Uncle Ted. Is, is just like a drain on the family's resources. Because yeah. he eats like a monster. And he and in that one episode where they camp outside, he steals uh, Howard's credit card and buys like thousands of dollars worth With of camping, camping equipment which from makes, a surplus store. Yeah, which makes me wonder what what uh, Howard uh, Generic does. Well, see, and that's an, a further discussion that we could get into. Maybe so, he's a comedian. Well, Uncle Ted is voiced by Tino Insana, who is Bushroot from Darkwing Duck, who we've talked about before, and... Uh, pig from Barnyard and, and some other stuff. Yeah, he's. I feel like he's trying because this is essentially what the character is. I feel like he's trying to do dime store John Candy. Yeah, yeah. No, he's for sure dime store John Candy. Yeah. That's it, a, in fact, as I was watching it, uh, Joy actually asked me, "Is that John Candy who does the voice?" It was like John Candy died before the the show finished. Yeah, so. it, he's essentially he's essentially playing the part of like Uncle Buck almost. He's like a combination of of Uncle Buck and then every other character John Candy's ever played. Yeah, basically. Now, the next character is the dog who, what a surprise, it's an animal animated show that doesn't have a voice. Who could it be? It's Frank Welker. We're not going to go into, because it's a small role and we've gone into so much detail on him, but... Yeah, we, Frank Welker. Frank Welker is Frank Welker. And then the only so, other character we really need to talk about, because she is in one of the episodes that we go over, is very uh, briefly yeah. is Jackie. But, yeah, she's featured more in other episodes. It's essentially Bobby's friend slash girlfriend, as much as you can have a girlfriend at five years old. 
and uh, she has a crush on Bobby. She and tries she'll kiss to kiss him, which he hates, and it's voiced by Debbie Derryberry, who yeah. is the voice of Jimmy Neutron, and she's. I put this in the notes. She's done a bunch of stuff, but the the other thing I wanted to mention was there's a show on. It's the joys of having a, a daughter. Uh, my daughter loves this show on Netflix called Glitter Force Doki Doki. And she is the voice <laughs> of Maya. And it is the most saccharinely bright colored, flashy, cutesy show. Uh, and I just can't watch it. It's like uh, if Sailor Moon had a seizure. And that seizure resulted in um, altered vision. <laughs> that's what Glitter Force Doki Doki reminds me of. Um, but she likes it and she's the voice of the character Maya on it. So we can, we can kind of continue on if you want. Yeah. So the, let's talk about the show for a little bit. Cause there are some questions that I have about the show. Okay. So the just fr- first, just let's... from, just from a production, not even a production, just a creative standpoint, you have a family of a family that has seemingly young parents. I would say that the okay, parents, good. this is where I wanted to go yeah, first. The, I would say that the parents are, if they're anything, they're in their late thirties, oh, maybe no. early forties. No, see, I guess mid forties. I, I would say, yeah, I mean, like they seem like that sort of, the mom seems younger than the dad. Well, so here, let's do a timeline. So we've got the oldest daughter is she's 15 years old. And then a ten-year-old, and then you got a ten-year-old, and then Bobby, who's five, uh, who's later six, and then later seven. And by the time Bobby is seven, that means the oldest daughter is seventeen. And mm-hmm. by that point, they've got twins mm-hmm. that that appear later in the show. So that means that they've got kids that are roughly five years apart, five yeah ish, right? So they have so fifteen years worth of kids, fifteen years with the children, and that means that the mo- that the the twins are sort of an accident. It's like a this is this is a surprise, which is why I felt like they must be over forty, uh, because this is uh, you know the early to mid nineties. So parents having kids in their forties would have been like a, more of a big deal. Now nobody gives a shit. Yeah. But you know, twenty years ago, it would have been a bigger deal. I felt I felt like that the daughter was an accident. So I could have seen them. Ha- that, that's what I was going to yeah, say. So I, I think s- the daughter was an accident. The that last one like, was an accident. Yeah, too. I feel like the daughter was an accident that they probably had when they were like. 17 so 17 17, 17 or yeah 17 or... plus 17 plus 15 that's uh 37 38 39 even if they had them at 19 38 right. 39 which means that by the time that they had uh the twins they were like 40 so that's yeah. why it's a, a surprise so that yeah that's what i wanted to say because who well number one who has kids five years apart planned that that seems like super uh, well that's kind of our plan oh well, yeah. are you planning to have another kid after that? In and five then five years? years later, another set. Oh, that's hell what I no. mean. Yeah. No, no, no. We're too, we're going to be two and done <laughs> if we do a second one at all. So yeah. No, that's what I mean. Is like the the family dynamic. I feel like would have been would have been much better if you had instead of having a ten year old and a fifteen year old. If say you had a fifteen year old and a thirteen year old, and then a five year old as like a whoops. That was an accident. Like if Bobby was the whoops. Yeah. If Bobby was the whoops, that would have made that would have made more sense. I feel like for him to develop all these crazy imagination things because he would have been essentially an only child because his siblings would have been so much older than him. Like and if they had the first one and then the second one was like two or three years younger and then like eight years later had Bobby so that there was an even bigger age range, then it would have been maybe more interesting. Yeah. Because then you got older parents dealing with this young kid who's essentially left to his own devices, which is why he has this creative imagination. Yeah. And then would, would then even further exaggerate the idea of the older siblings who had nothing to do with Bobby. Yeah. Because that would make that would make sense. It's like they're going on, they're in high school, they're 
they're enjoying yeah. their life. They're I mean, trying I'm to be six cool. years old, five and a half, almost six years older than my sister, and you're about the same, same as yours. Yeah. And I, w- I was always close with my sister uh, growing up. I mean, when we were little, of course, I teased her mercilessly and I gave her a lot of shit. But once she got a little older, I'd say towards the end of elementary school, we became a lot closer. And uh, and I'd like to think I have a good relationship with both my siblings now. But but it, but it's 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 a weird dynamic, at least for this show. And I it that then also made me think. So like, let's say they had kids young, mm-hmm. and then what the hell could Howie Mandel's character be doing yeah, the dad for a living? Yeah, Howie uh, Howard. What could what does he do for a living that he can afford this big house on a large lot, which is seemingly I'm I'm guessing in Orange County. Yeah, because because in one of the episodes, the babysitter is wearing a California Angels uh, sweatshirt, Shutter, yeah. which was the the design for the Angels from the late '80s, early '90s, and so they're living in Orange County, where where a mortgage is not cheap, even then. And then they they have a like a large lot with a big house. So what the hell does Howard do for a living? I don't remember what he did for a job. It did, it was never apparent in any of these episodes. No, but just... it's enough that that he can support three and then five kids. And it was the 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 California Angels thing that she was wearing was the logo from eighty six to ninety two. Okay, so, yeah, so yeah, late eighties, early nineties. It, it makes sense. Yeah, and so. My question is, is what could he do for a living that supports a stay-at-home mom, five children, a large house on a large lot, and a developmentally disabled brother-in-law? Thank you. Who eats like a horse and steals his credit card to go buy stuff. And he can afford all of that. Yeah. So, <laughs> And I don't know, at least in a lot of the episodes, he doesn't seem to do a whole lot of work. No, he's, he he's, seems to be home a lot. Yeah, he is home. Like in that episode with the with the rainstorm. I don't know if those are just on the weekends. Maybe maybe those are supposed to be weekend days. But but I don't I don't I don't know what is what does he do for a living that he can afford all of that. Let's just say that he is a super successful writer. And he oh got... god, I hate that trope though because <laughs> there's one the. Those are just don't just, exist. Just like everybody loves Raymond. Oh, I'm a, I'm a sports writer, and I make a ton of money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I believe. Uh, that. I'm I'm Carrie Bradshaw. I make a ton of money by being a freelance magazine. See, writer. and that's the thing is that's <laughs> only believable for people who don't know people in the industry. The people who don't know anybody. Yeah. People who don't like, know anything about journalism. Like I, you, you know, have to be nationally syndicated. We're, we're here in, in Southern California. You and I know, both know people who work and live in that industry, yeah. and you know we we have. Um, uh, people that we talk to, uh, some other podcasts and stuff, people who are in this area, and they know that for the most part, if you're writing for a TV show, you're not some millionaire that that can just afford a giant house and to take care of all these people. I yeah. just, I, I hate that TV trope. Yeah. I think it's almost wish fulfillment on the part of the writers themselves. Yeah, maybe. Or, but but you're right. It is kind of wish fulfillment. You, I I feel like it happens some in uh, in in like shows where the character is based on like a comedian or a writer so you have ray romano who is the main character of his show and he creates this this job for him it's the same it's the same like tim allen on home improvement he creates this tv show that's like essentially public access but affords him the ability to have Have this giant house yeah and buy all this crap and have three kids and a wife who i think was a stay-at-home mom for a while of it and then became a she well, became like yeah. a, a on the, on the other side of that though like they're in they're they're not 
in a place where real estate's expensive. Yeah, they're in, in home D- Detroit. <laughs> I think, right? They're at least they're in Michigan. Somewhere. Yeah, well, because Tim Allen's from there. Yeah. So I think that's the whole point. But so, the, the thing that I thought was interesting about this show, and it really, I, I feel like it speaks to a trend that we saw that we don't really see anymore, but we saw for a while. This is the thing I think. Yeah. You're going to bring up the thing I was mentioning in the car earlier, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's a trend that we saw, I want to say, from around the late 80s to the 90s, and then it sort of died off. It's, it's mid eighties because you can go back to like say Cosby. Yeah, so you had you had comedians who would do bits like Bobby in for Howie Mandel. It was a bit that he did. You also had Pee Wee Herman, who his entire show was essentially performance art. It was a comedy bit from the Groundlings. <clears throat> yeah, it was a which com- which by the way, I'm glad. Just as a fun factoid, just to briefly mention. One of our voice actresses on the show actually performed in the original Pee Wee Herman sketch with him. So uh, I just wanted to briefly yes. mention that. So but, you have you have but you, you have, have these people. Yeah, you have these comedians who, by and large, I mean, I can't recall if they're all you know the the G-rated clean type of comedians because there are some of those out there like Jim Gaffigan, clean clean comics. But you have these comedians who have who have made these bits essentially for adults that are either mocking or lampooning childhood. You've got Louis, uh, Louis Anderson. You've got Howie Mandel, Pee Wee Herman. You've got Roseanne Barr, Roseanne Barr, Bill Cosby, who then get these, their bits get turned into Jerry Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld. You, you have these bits that get turned into kids shows. Oh, well I see what I was going to say is, during that time period, you had bits that got turned into sitcoms. No, that's what I mean. So yeah. sitcoms make sense because sitcoms are by and large for adults. So people like Roseanne, Tim Allen, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, all these people created they, some, either they went to someone or someone came to them and said, we want to turn your your comedy into... We want to monetize yeah. your stand-up. I remember that at the end of a lot of those shows, it would say, based on the comedy of Tim Allen, based on the comedy of um, Roseanne Barr. Or whatever, yeah. So... So that makes sense to me because you can take because most of comedy most I would say the vast majority of comedy at least nowadays in the like the past probably 30 years has been observational stuff like stuff about my family stuff about my job stuff about my life stuff about my pastor my religion whatever it's it's observational humor and in humorous things that you can you can draw from real life in order and, to be relatable to your audience. Yeah, and that is like the, that is the perfect, or it was the perfect fodder for sitcoms. It was the perfect fodder because you can take all these things that the comic has already pointed out as like this is crazy, this is ridiculous, this is really funny. Well, and, and the easiest just, story to tell someone is one that actually happened. Yeah, exactly. Chris Rock did it. Uh, Ray Romano did it. They all they all did it, and that makes sense to me in terms of a show. What doesn't make sense is taking those same comics who just have a bit about a kid, or they're they're like mocking a bit about something. Yeah, that, but and then they turn it into a kid show. Like the the idea, it's it's like so the idea of like Louis Anderson having an animated series, yeah, is or weird. Howie Mandel having an animated series. It's just like well, it, if you think about it, Fat Albert is a, is probably the first one. Yeah, right. No, or it one is. of the earliest. It's got to be one of the first ones. It's just like. It's just like back when Full House was on and you had Bob Saget who Bob Saget on Full House was the most clean milk toasty milk boring to- ever yeah. and but and his would- stand up is funny. Yeah, no that's what I'm that's what I'm saying is you yeah. have this guy who was who was slated into this role as this boring milk toast guy but in reality he is this 
foul-mouthed, vulgar comedian. And the two don't the two don't meet. So Or the sense of humor, the timing is not meant for kids in a way that they would understand. Yeah, like this show, this show had so many jokes and references. Bobby's World I'm talking about. Yeah. Had so many jokes and references and allusions to things that kids would not have understood. At well, least not the kids that were the primary audience of this show, which like I was saying is probably like your three to seven. Well, my so this is this is kind of to further the point that I was making earlier is that this actually reminds me back to the conversation that we had about about the Jetsons, mm-hmm. right? So what happened with the Jetsons and with the Flintstones was is the idea of animated anything, really, they didn't really, on television, they didn't know what to do with. So they had a pre-existing model for a sitcom and the flow of an episodic sitcom and telling these one-off stories and with laugh tracks and all of that. And they they just took that and they just picked it up and plopped it down with an animated world. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, we got, this works for adults. Uh, F it, we'll just do it for kids too. Yeah. And I think what happened was, is that this is an example of just a more modern day re- retelling of that kind of idea of, well, we're doing Roseanne and Home Improvement and The Cosby Show and Seinfeld and all these other shows for adults. And we're just going to take that idea of, of a comedian doing something for adults and we'll just adopt it for kids because we're fresh out of ideas. You know, what's funny is like they even go back to people later on. I mean, it's, it's tough to talk about Bill Cosby now because... You know, uh, oh yeah! Oh, he's a rapist. Well, but, yeah. I mean, we you've you've done your your rapist uh, Cosby yeah. on here several times. Yeah. yeah, but he whether he is or not, is, he went back. Probably is. But. He went back later after you know long after Fat Albert, and he developed a show called Little Bill that was really designed and targeted at kids that were probably in like the two to four range like it was right. a little kid show it was meant as that yeah, yeah and and that's just that's even weirder for me like can you can you imagine can you imagine someone like jerry seinfeld who would make a show for essentially toddlers like that doesn't that doesn't compute and i know that bill cosby is a is a more extreme example because he also had things that he also had background. He like wrote parenting books and he did all this and, stuff. Uh, and he also did a lot of, uh, he did the kids say the darnest things. Yeah. And, and he did a lot of comedy based around what it was like to raise children yeah, and know, his if, own if, kids. If, and if kids don't, if kids won't go to bed, you just slip them a quaalude and then they're out and then you can do whatever you want to them. Yeah. You know, yeah. just uh, lights out, lights out, well, pants yeah. off. <laughs> That's so, my favorite game from my youth. Lights oh. out, pants off. Oh, was he also your babysitter? No. Yeah. Uh, so you so, really didn't want him to find you. So you know, <laughs> if he found something else. So you know, if we get into some of these episodes, you know, the first episode, the quote bonus episode that I put in here, it's just them. It's a it's a whole lot of stuff that that doesn't happen, but there is some weird things where. You know, like Bobby wants to sneak and get into the cookie jar and he imagines he's a secret agent. And so during his sort of uh, imagining of him being a secret agent, it's like a faux Mission Impossible, something kids wouldn't understand. Yeah. And he has this moment where it's like, uh, you're a mission if you choose to accept it, blah, blah, blah. And and then the the little computer uh, shows him this picture. He goes, this is Wayne Newton. He doesn't have anything to do with this mission. But doesn't he look like Zorro without a mask on? (laughs) 
Like, Anyways, and then they move on, and you're like, okay, that's weird. And it's this like, is who, the one who, with the who pitched that joke? I probably Howie Mandel. This is also the one with the Die Hard reference. Yeah. Um, and then this is the one where you know there's like plays on words where Bobby goes upstairs to get ready for bed, and they tell him, don't forget to wash behind your ears. And he's washing his hands, but with his hands behind his head. Yeah. And he goes, I wonder why they don't have me wash in front of my ears like the, all the other kids. Yeah. And so, okay, haha, that's a kind of a groaner joke for kids. It's like, listen, Bobby, you want to be a smart ass, you're going to get a fat lip. That's what I would have yeah, told him. Well, you know, a little Pow! A little punch could do. And then and then the one one of the things with the season one, episode two, Uncle Ted's excellent adventure. See, that's with a Bill reference and to Bill and Ted. Yeah. That I mean, how many six year old kids are gonna know anything about Bill and Ted? Well, maybe some, but not many. Yeah. Right? So, and and the episode, so a visit to Aunt Ruth's is probably a uh, it's probably a play on something too, because it seems like all the episode titles, at least the ones that we watched, were a play on something. Yeah. Well, in the the Uncle Ted one, the, where the developmentally disabled uh, Uncle <laughs> Uncle Ted rips off his brother in law's credit card yeah. to go buy things from the Army Surplus Supply Store, this is where uh, you know they end up camping in the backyard, which apparently involves having a fridge, a toaster oven, etc., in the tent, mm-hmm. and. And the when they go to buy all this stuff, they're at the at the counter. Th- this is like another joke that I thought was maybe over kids' heads, or maybe they just thought, "Haha, it's funny because it's underwear." But the the guy at the counter is a sort of creepy dude working in an army supply store. He, he reminds me of the of the uh, army surplus store. I forget his name. The army surplus store owner in the Simpsons. Yes, yes, he does. Except he has both of his arms in yeah. this. And and so he disappears underneath the counter and he's like rummaging for something to find a bug zapper. But he's like tossing up all this like random stuff and one of the things that pops up is this bright pink bra. And I th- <laughs> and I had several thoughts. One, okay, so the joke here is that uh haha he keeps underwear behind the drawer behind the thing. And that's funny. Kids will think it's funny. But then but then I started thinking about the context of this in the world of Bobby's world. Why does the army supply store clerk have women's underwear just in a random well, collection behind the counter? Obvious. What kind of creepo is he following women out to their car and raping them in the parking lot and stealing uh, their underwear? You're thinking too much about it. Obviously, he has a woman under the counter. Probably dead. Oh, okay. Well, or or he he uh, cross dresses and he left his stuff at, at behind the counter. But there's like a lot of these weird things. The one of the things that I did want to talk about is, and I, this we don't normally give out like a time signature for you to go look up. But nine minutes and fifteen seconds, they're in the tent, and Bobby pulls out pizza out of a toaster oven. Which one? That's ridiculous. But he pulls it out like a blanket, and mm-hmm. then he smells it, and then he full on does air thrusts like a like he's humping the pizza. Before taking it over and sitting on top of a crate to eat. I saw that. That's a good way to burn your dick. Oh, oh, well, that's a full other discussion. Developmentally disabled Ted should have warned him about that. Because I'm sure that Ted... He learned the wrong way. I'm I'm sure Ted has... has, uh, Had several occasions with the pizza. Has burned many a dick. (laughs) On pizza or pies or whatnot. Or whatever. Well, I thought... Oh, no, this can't be real. No, that didn't happen. I rewound it. I watched it again. I go, holy shit. No, that's real. No, that really happened. And then Joy's like, what? Why are you watching this three times? And I showed her. And she's like, did he just hump a pizza? <laughs> and I said, he did just hump a pizza. And she just goes, okay. 
And she just, just like resolved to my fate. This yeah. is what my life is now. And she walks away. So now, the next episode is uh, is Adventures in Bobby Sitting, which is obviously a play on Adventures in Babysitting. That I yeah, that one is the one where there's a bunch of references. That's the the Wiener Breath one and the, yeah. the babysitter with the angel thing. But there's a reference to Jason yeah. Voorhees in yeah. this. Except his name is Mason. So it's a guy that she's dating who's on the hockey team named Mason. And she goes, oh, Mason's coming over. And in their universe, it's not Jason. It's Mason Voorhees. Yeah, and they were watching a Mason movie. So I'm thinking, what shitty babysitter is letting the 10 and 5-year-old watch Jason on television? Well, she confronts him and she's like, are you really supposed to be watching that? Oh, yeah, we've seen them all already. And she's like, okay. Yeah, but like no no thought process went through that. Nah. Um, but later on in the episode, somebody calls the house and is breathing into the phone really heavily. Like... <sighs> and then he cuts into... Sorry, I'm out of breath. I'll be coming over. <laughs> and, uh, and then they get freaked out. And because he says his name is Mason. And so they're all worried about that. But my thought... Is that he was hoping his girlfriend picked up the phone? His he thought his girlfriend was picking up the phone, and he was choking chicken. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, so we got we got the choky chicken dude over here calling in, and then he goes, "Oh, there's kids on the phone. Better stop." Yeah, that that episode kind of creeps me out, uh, yeah. just because it's just like the perfect example of like the shitty babysitter. Yeah, and Ooh. then there, there's a whole really drawn out sequence of Bobby imagining himself running away from mason the plunger murderer because he's not an axe murderer or a machete murderer he just has a plunger he has a plunger and it's it's him like running around and then at the end this is like the doug thing where at the end you find out that they actually were trying to uh to they actually did smash mason her boyfriend and they landed on top of him and so obviously some kind of real thing was playing out as bobby was imagining himself running away from mason yeah that goes back to the 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 allegory to oh with doug yeah yeah right? exactly that's what yeah I mean. yeah now the next episode is swim by me which is a stand by me reference even I, though there's no stand by me anything in there no i think it's just a play on words for the title this one is the one with the to kill a mockingbird reference it is and there is this uh there's this thing where um they're they're walk Bobby and and his brother are walking through. They're taking a shortcut, right through Boo's house yeah, or Boo's Boo, property. Boo they're they're on his they're on his property, and and so when that happens, Bobby then imagines the Nate's Hotel, which yeah. I, which I thought there's no way a five or eight or ten year old knows uh, Psycho, yeah, right. But they they put a reference in there. I don't know why. And then Bobby starts to sing the "Mama's Gonna Buy You a Mockingbird" song. This song is actually something from Howie Mandel's stand up. Oh, so, okay. So the song that he sings when he sees a mockingbird is a song that he would do in his stand-up in the voice of Bobby. Okay, but the ending of the song? The ending of the song is is that same one. So let, let's hear it. Hush, little baby, don't say a word. Mama's gonna buy you a mockingbird. And if yeah the whole like i'm gonna grab his ring wings and rip out his feathers and tear out, out his wings yeah. i thought okay fine that is maybe mildly funny for a kid to sing in an adult's stand-up routine 
but not in a kids animated show where you're essentially talking about uh you know maiming animals it yeah. seems a little weird <laughs> the later uh, the, the the last verse of that song at least in his stand-up is essentially uh once that mockingbird is dead mama's gonna buy me a parrot instead and if that parent doesn't it's like if that parent doesn't talk or something uh i'm gonna go ahead and kill him too something like that (laughs) yeah well because i i mean the rip out his feathers and tear out his wings i i don't know if that's originally part of the the mockingbird song or not no no no. the the original mockingbird song is uh mama's gonna buy me a mockingbird and if that mockingbird don't sing mama's gonna gonna buy you a diamond yeah yeah so he just but i mean it's it just seems it's just so bizarre did you did you ever grow up going to like a neighborhood uh, community pool as a I, kid? Yeah, I did. I did. There was one in there was one in Fullerton where I grew up. Uh, okay, because uh, I I grew up in Irvine and and my uh, community pool was across the street. And so we we used to get like you buy like a book of tickets and you would walk across the street and you would go to the pool. And when I was really little, my mom would walk us over there and then drop us off and then go like grocery shop or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then when we were younger, she would go and stay with us. And and the whole like going through the shower and the locker room was like very um, much a flashback to my childhood. Was that the same thing for you too? A it little more, bit? Yeah, a little bit. It more reminded me of when I went to uh, when I went to Iceland. I don't remember. I mean, I remember walking over to the, the community pool and I would shower afterwards, but I never showered before. And the only time I've ever actually, because I grew up around pools, the only time I actually ever showered before I got in a pool was when I went to Iceland, because that's a thing, because all their all their spas and and pools and whatnot are all are all natural geothermally heated and drawn from like spring water sources. So they want you to clean off and get everything off you before you get in. It's like a, it's like a Scandinavian type thing. You want to be clean before you get into a pool with other people and then you clean off again. So I had, I actually had no experience of that. And like, well, it's a cause they do use... that in this show yeah, where, you're... where they step into this like foot pool water for athletes foot. And yeah. it was like, I went to, so the community pool that I had as a kid was one that was actually used in the 84 Olympics. The, the high dive mm-hmm. was used in the 84 Olympics. And uh, and so the, it was like, it was a very nice community rec. They had multiple pools, lap pools, high dive platforms, and a regular sort of communal, communal pool. And I don't ever remember going through a thing where like I had to put my feet in water. I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember any of that. I don't know where that's from. And and I grew up around that and then friends with pools and I have my own pool now. And I, I this is something I, I was not aware of. I did not know that that was even a thing. I could see it maybe. Like I don't, one, I don't know how stepping in water gets athlete's foot off you. I don't either. Because, I feel like I mean, that would make you get athlete's foot well, just standing in like shallow water. Yeah. And I mean, really, if you're if you have proper pool care, then you've got, it's either salt and you've got a, a, a very robust cleaning system or you've got chlorine, which is going to kill everything anyways. Yeah. So, so I just thought that was very weird. It was something I had never heard of. That's just why I wanted to mention it. There's a song in this episode, by the way, that I completely forgot about. It's a, it's a stupid song. That's a, that's a, uh, it's a thing that happens in Bobby's world is Bobby writes these silly little songs that he sings to people and they are really like one line. It's like not one line, but it's like one, one verse, like four lines of a song. And then he just repeats it over and over and over. And he sings a song to his brother where he praises him for saving his life. I was at the bottom of the pool. I don't recall how long. Yes, it must have been a while Cause I had time to write the song He 
was at the bottom of the pool. He doesn't know how long, but it must have been a while, cause he had time to write this song. I'm just a little boy, so I wanted my mother, but just in time Derek saved me. At the bottom of the pool I don't recall how long I guess it must have been a while Cause I had time to write this song My brother is my hero And I truly do love him And I don't know how to repay him If only I... Stop singing, you tweet! And the brother rightfully is like, God, stop singing. What's wrong with you? This is also the episode with the swim instructor. And, oh, and I have yeah. some things the to talk super, about. Super, the super so stereotypically the Jewish. Well, see, what I was going to say is in the beginning, she's not. She's like stereotypically Russian. Yeah. And then her voice, her she accent sli- switches at yeah, some she, point. She, she, she becomes, becomes Yiddish. Yeah, she becomes a Russian Jew. Exactly. So she goes she from, a, from just a straight Russian accent to then a straight Yiddish accent. I think I think Mandel just didn't know. I, I don't think they knew what to do with it. So they just, because was, it's his voice. Yeah, he it's was. Mandel's voice. He was pulling the, uh, he was pulling a voice from like the Mouskowitzes from Five Old Guys. American be, Tale. But like not well done. Yeah. It, it is a little offensive. It's but, super uncomfortable too, because she starts getting all, uh, she starts getting all touchy feely with uh, Uncle Ted. Yeah. She's like, oh, weird. you are the most handsome. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. Minos. You're the most handsome developmentally challenged adult I've ever given swim lessons I to. I could absolutely take advantage of your naivete. I'm going to turn you into a man. No, no, literally because you're still a child. Um, yeah. And, 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 and you can tell he's uncomfortable with her advances too. He's like, oh, 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 oh Bubble, let's But he's sort of happy though. Yeah. Because I don't think he gets that. No. Uh, they are, there's also the, the Bo Jackson reference. Oh, yeah. Because the character of uh, Boo, no, it will be like, Boo, do you know how to swim? Buno swimming, and then uh, do you know how to ride a bicycle? Buno's bicycle. Do you, does, do you know baseball? Buno's baseball. You know football, but and he goes through this whole. And one, the last one is, uh, do you know how to play diddly? And he goes, Buno's diddly. Which yeah, I that was sort of like a like I know nothing. Yeah, and then later, Boo is talking to Bobby's brother, and and he's like, well, can he even swim? And Boo goes, Buno swimming. Buno's everything. That part of the episode was really <laughs> disturbing to me because they're going back to the pool. And, and Bobby's now with like well, a full-on adult man. Bobby gets separated. They're cutting through the same shortcut. Yeah. Bobby gets separated from his brother and sister. Yeah. And this stranger, this shirtless stranger in swim trunks finds him. And in all reality, what would have happened is he would have been spirited away to Boo's house and never seen again. But... He befriends this giant Boo's stranger. Sex dungeon. Yeah, <laughs> the the leather room. Oh. Boo. <laughs> Safety words, banana. Yeah, but <laughs> so Bobby befriends this five year old. Befriends what seems to be a kind of slow adult. Some you know, like a Lenny so essentially from a it's Uncle men. Ted two point Yeah, B- Bobby is Bobby is drawn to these type of people, I guess. So they just make a like they. It seems like the the brother and sister make no effort to go back and find Bobby. They're just like, "Where have you been?" Like, "Oh, I I, found, I met a friend. I made a friend. We played a funny game where we tickled each other." So 
So the last episode is garbage. Absolute garbage. The last episode was fucking <laughs> terrible. I can't believe I watched the entire thing. The last episode is literally a clip show. I Okay, so, you know, I normally watch these ahead of time, but I've had the last couple of weeks has just been a very busy time for the both of us because Sean's getting married and I've got a bunch of other stuff going on. Uh, I did not get a chance to watch this episode until right before I got here uh, this morning. And honestly, you said... This episode is fucking garbage. It's just a fucking clip show. You were so angry. And if you know anything, if if you've met Sean in real life, you know that Sean does get angry very easily. And and so do I, to be fair. We both can get worked up. And so he sends me this thing and I'm thinking, oh, this is just Sean hyperbole. Like, there's no way this is an actual clip show and it's literal garbage. And and so I start the episode. And at first I'm like, "Eh, okay, it says it's a musical. And then I get into it. So... If we, if you look, I was like, uh, where is it? I was like, is this a joke? I don't get it or whatever. And then I was like, oh fuck, this is a clip show, a literal clip show. <laughs> How the fuck did this end up as one of the highest rated episodes? Like, those are my notes. <laughs> yeah. Who came up with this? The- so f- first of all, whoever rated this as, as one of the top four highest rated episodes on IMDb, fuck you. Okay. Because it... The thing is, is these songs aren't that good. They're not. They're, and they're, they're and we, fine within the context of the episode. They make sense. But standalone, they make no sense whatsoever. I think what pissed None. me I think what pissed me off the most about this episode. I felt like I was cheated. Yeah, what pissed me off the most about this episode is that most of the songs were from the episodes that I had already watched. So it was like re-watching the <laughs> same ones. At least two of them were. Yeah, the, the Tuna one and the uh, Brother Saved Me one. And then at the end, the last song is just... Michael rode the boat ashore, and he also sings that if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Because like, they're public domain. Yeah. So it was just the the whole the whole plot of this episode was that the po- the power goes out and no one's able to do anything because there's this horrible rainstorm. So the family has, has a family to day. spend time together as a family. Day. Yeah, yeah. And it and it turns into remember that time that this happened or oh this reminds me of this and it was just like fuck me why if there's so, one thing a if there's one thing a cartoon doesn't need it's a fucking clip show no well and that's that's like the criticism that dragon ball z and naruto gets when they do uh rehashing flashbacks and stuff is they just end up being clip shows yeah right? bleach does it some of these other ones now there is a joke in the beginning and i don't know if you got it but i actually i, I went and I, I looked it up so in the in the intro with howie mandel bobby goes do you like tuna and howie mandel goes sure why and then bobby goes because this week your pants are filled with it and and i was like is is this a joke that i don't get and then i decided i'm gonna go to urban dictionary Urban Dictionary describes tuna in your pants as the underwear of a woman of loose values and poor hygiene, a whore's knickers, a smelly flange. (laughs) That is Urban Dictionary. That is not me. That's Urban Dictionary. That is a joke I was not aware of. But apparently Howie Mandel decided to try and slip that one in under the radar. And there's a a gross sound that he makes when when Bobby calls him... Yeah, it's like it's like that gack sound, you know. Yeah. You had gack, and you would like push your finger into it. And you go. That's what yeah. it is. You go. Now there was another thing in this that I thought was odd, in that Bobby. Uh, oh, are you looking up tuna pants? <laughs> I just yeah. Like, I like the. Uh... <laughs> I like the the how to use it in a sentence. It says on addressing a slut. Oi, tuna pants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a reference I, had ne- I I'm now aware of. Thank you. Uh, 
There's one other thing that I just want to mention in this episode, besides the fact that Jesus Christ, it's a clip show and it's it pissed me off, was Bobby's favorite food, apparently, is, it's his favorite snack, is cream chip chicken on a fiber cracker. Do you know what that is? That's essentially SOS. If you have any uh, family or friends in military, ask them what SOS is. It's essentially uh, cream chip beef on a on a cracker, Ugh. which is um, yeah. It's referred to SOS as shit on a shingle. <laughs> so what they do is they make like a like a country gravy and just fill it with canned chipped beef, Ugh. and and then they pour that on top of a on top of a, a shitty cracker they could substitute for a, a house shingle. That's why it's called shit on a shingle. So it's like a. Yeah, okay. I got yeah, it. It's like it's, Lambus bread. Y- yeah, yeah. But it's not good, like, at all. And so she makes a cream chipped chicken. Because well, chipped uncle, beef or chipped chicken is, is that. Uncle Ted's is, like, caught on a stick or something. Yeah, no, it's halibut on a halibut stick. Halibut on a stick. And he says, oh, you know, this is, I found out this does, this is actually good cold, too. Yeah, it's gross. So that was the last episode. Overall, what do you think about this show? <sighs> I'm torn. Because you told me that you liked it at first, but I don't know if that had changed. You said, you th- I, I, I okay, think you so said the that first the show two, was brilliant. The first two, in concept, in concept, after watching the first episode, the one with Aunt Ruth, mm-hmm. and then the episode number two, Uncle Ted's Excellent Adventure, I thought, this is a genius idea. Because essentially it was... It was um, the in- internal machinations of a child, and we get to see the world through his sort of uh, carefree, sort of innocent eyes where people make adult jokes, but that he doesn't get, and he imagines everything, and his imaginations run wild, and I thought, man, that's a really smart idea. This is a cool idea as a way to fill time, you know, mm-hmm. from a writing perspective, is you have all these flashbacks back and forth, and they're always sort of interesting the way that they're drawn, and... Thing, he sees he takes everything literally because kids at that age actually don't understand sarcasm. That's a real thing, yeah. by the way. So I thought, man, that's really smart. That's really inventive. It was cool. But then, then I saw that dumb clip show, and I've changed my mind. <laughs> and, I'm, and maybe I'm just maybe I'm just pissed off about the clip show. But it's a clip show. I, I feel like. Would I recommend this show? Uh, I don't know. Uh, for context, Eleanor liked this show. Actually, she asked to watch more. Oh. She enjoyed this show. I think she's a prime demographic. If you have little kids and you want to go back and relive Bobby's world, it's going to be a weird experience for you, I promise. But for your kids, like you can put it on. It's harmless. They won't get any of this weird adult shit. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Uh, if you're just going back to watch it just because because you want to relive your memories, don't do it. Yeah. it. It's not the same. and it's it's a it's a, It's just weird. Yeah, I and not in a good weird either. And I and I didn't. I came into this wanting to be like, you know, Bobby's world is great. It's not great. It's not awful. I mean, we've definitely watched worse stuff. If for me, it's just sort of like okay. You know what? It goes back to the whole. It was on in the background and it wasn't offensive as I was a kid, but I didn't rush home to watch it. Like what you and I were talking about. I still feel that way now. To me, this show was boring. Uh, for the most part, I found myself losing interest really quickly in every episode i was more interested in reading about how the show was made rather than what was on the show the it was it is kind of like family guy but in the worst way it's it's five like like we were saying five minutes of story coupled with 15 minutes of like nonsense non sequiturs which is probably good for a kid because it's bright and shiny and probably funny to them but for an adult, 
it's not worth the occasional weird joke that you'll get that your kid won't get and the weird references yeah. the weird references don't even it's like that that diehard reference it's like oh that's cool but it's not going to make the show for me it's like wow that's weird why would you put diehard in a kids show like a very hard r very hard rated hard r movie in referenced in a kids show I don't know why you would do any of that other than you're trying to make it appeal to adults, which we've discussed, uh, you know, the idea of having something appeal to adults and to kids. But that means you have to make it appeal to somebody. Yeah. but th- I don't think this really appeals to anybody unless yeah. you're in that young age group. Yeah. Overall, I don't think it's a very good show. I can't believe it lasted for I eight years. I will say that I like, I think the animation itself is pretty good. It definitely gets better. The, the first year, first two years animation, or the first year animation, the first season. Is it's okay. Ki- it's kind of clunky. The intro is great though. The intro is great. And it does have a, I mean, it's John Tesh. It does have a good song it's just completely and it's animated really cool yeah they spent a lot of they spent a lot of time and money on that intro animation it doesn't really change i don't think it changes throughout no, the entire I series don't think so. it's the same the, the voice acting is good the there's some funny moments mostly with the mom yeah uh and and a few moments with bobby where he says something that's funny and i don't think he knows that it's funny but that's kind of the whole joke yeah. uh, and ted has his moments too but uh, you know, the brother and the sister and the dad are sort of like unnecessary. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, that's why I feel torn because it has moments and then, and then it has other moments that are just like not good. I think overall it's not a good show, no. but it's, but it's not bad. But I, how again, many, I how like many the shows, concept. How many shows directed at like little kids are ostensive, like are objectively good shows? Not like that many, I don't think I don't think that that's what you do. Like Dora the Explorer is not a good show, but I feel like Dora the Explorer is meant for a younger audience than this was. I think the real demographic here is somewhere in the five to ten range because Bobby is five, uh, but that it's perfectly suitable for kids who are younger. I think that the intended age is five to ten, but the real age of people who actually it was appealed to was like, uh, like three to seven. Yeah, maybe that's why it lasted so long because. Yeah, I don't know. But overall, I, I wouldn't recommend an adult going back and rewatching this for any other reason than to maybe have something in the background for your kids while you're maybe yeah. cooking dinner or something. If it's, you want your kids to relive what you relived, then go for it. Yeah, it's 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 not offensive at all, and the show itself is not like and if scary. You, and if the you jokes... grew up before this came, like if you came of age before the show came out, like... Like, you, like, let's say you're born in the 60s or the 70s or something, uh, or even earlier in the 50s, because we have uh, listeners kind of of all ages. I, I would say if you if you are an older listener, uh, if you are a older f- flesh brother, yeah. uh, I, I, w- I would not recommend watching this. If you are sort of mid-range, like, uh, and you have kids, uh, then sure, uh, put it on for them. If you are mid-range and you remember it or younger and you want to go watch it, I don't. Don't. Yeah. So it's really only for like a small subset, I think. Yeah, I agree. And that probably will do it for this uh, for this week. Uh, the show is... Uh, I'm eh. kind of upset, to be honest, because I wanted it to be good. Yeah. I did. And, and, and after the first two episodes, I was like... Okay, this is not for me, but I mean, I think it's smart. It's yeah. a smart the way that they're, that they're doing it. But I started at neutral because I couldn't remember anything about it, and I yeah, gradu- I did too. And I gradually sort of slid into I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> 
just like really gradually. And then at the, and then with the last episode, I fell off a cliff into, I hate this. Well, I think that's what happened with me is I started out sort of in the same realm that you did. And then as I continued to, as I watched the first two episodes, it went way up. I thought, man, this is great. This is a smart show. My kid likes it. There's jokes for adults and for kids. Okay. It's a little weird. It's not a hundred percent for me. I'm not the demographic, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then we got the clip show, and and I just said, "I'm this is pisses me off. I'm Why done. would you do this to me?" Yeah, exactly. That happened in the middle of the show. That's season four. There's eight seasons. Yeah. So what are you doing doing a clip show at like only episode forty? We ran out of ideas. Obviously. Well, yeah. I don't even want to watch season six or eight. Yeah. Who knows how terrible those are? Fuck it. So uh, <laughs> that'll do it for this episode. So. If you want to find us and talk to us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at RemasteredCast. That is at RemasteredCast. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Childhood Remastered. Please rate us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. The rating really helps us out. Yeah, and we'd also like to thank John Howard for the use of our intro music, Nascent. You can find links to his SoundCloud on our website, childhoodremastered.com. And until next time, this is Sean. And Chris. And this has been your Childhood Remastered. We will see you next time. A-B-E.